All right, well, good morning, everybody. My name's Kevin. Plenty of good seats available in the front row, so uh, you're welcome to move forward. We're not, you know, we're not a large group. So uh, I'm part of the teaching team, and uh, as um, Martha made clear in the announcements, you know, we have a group that's in Hungary this week, uh, and pastors Randy and Clara are there, so I was asked if I would preached last Sunday and this Sunday, and I was given the very specific topic of Holy Spirit. So I've kind of narrowed it down a little bit. Um, So next Sunday, you may or may not know, is Pentecost Sunday. You know, I was doing a little bit of looking, you know, on the Internet to see what is said about it, and it's really, it's one of those events in church calendar that is really mixed as to whether or not a church recognizes the holiday or the event or the anniversary or not. So I thought as I was uh, assigned last week and this week to two Sundays before Pentecost that it might be good to just do something that prepares us for Pentecost. So last Sunday we talked a little bit about kind of that inward journey with the Holy Spirit. And it's about the life of the Spirit in the people of God. What the Spirit does, how the Spirit comes, and, and what it is that the Spirit does in us. And this week we're kind of shifting to the outward working of the Holy Spirit. So it's... Uh, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the surrendered people of God to the lost and hurting world. If you think about the church, right, and the work of the Spirit through God's people, we are, we're the presence of Jesus on the earth. There is no physical Jesus on the earth anymore. He was resurrected, he ascended, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But through his Spirit in us, the body of Christ is the physical presence of Jesus on the earth. And if you just think about that, maybe that helps you think a little bit about what this life is about. So last week, uh, I shared about a dream I had back in 2013. So Cindy and I went on a sailing trip with Pastor Randy and Clara. You can click to the next slide. And uh, I had an unusual series of dreams, three dreams, very memorable, in three nights in a row, the first three nights that we were there uh, down in the Caribbean. And the first dream, uh, for those of you who were here, remember it was about this uh, little problem with water. I was in the kitchen of the house, and water started to pour out. And uh, it, I thought it was a leak, but I couldn't stop it. And then it was really pouring, and it was kind of becoming inches on the floor. And I grabbed my broom, and I was you know, trying to sweep the water out of the kitchen, out the back door. And before you know it, I was kind of out the back door, and there were these giant waves, like two-story high waves that were crashing over the house and I still had my broom and I had my brother-in-law holding my waist and I was there with my broom and I was trying to figure out how to deal with the water that was coming. And so for those of you that were here, what what did the broom represent or what do you think the broom represents? Control, yeah, just I'm going to, I'm going to somehow manage. That's a possibility there. Yeah, I think that might be, that might be true. So you know, when I look back over my life as a, I say, a would-be follower of Jesus, I've really struggled with understanding the things of the Spirit. And I have to say I've resisted um, along the way giving up control of my life to Holy Spirit. And I've, I'm sorry about it. I, I regret that I didn't really understand more of what the Spirit was about earlier in my life. I wished I would have. Um, but, you know, God doesn't really work on a timeline so much. He doesn't really worry that, you know, time went by. He's able to kind of work in different ways. 
But, you know, if I think about why is that, it's because I really would like my life to be in control. You know, wouldn't we all, wouldn't you like life to just be predictable and, and in control? And uh, even if it's only an illusion, right, that life's in control, isn't it? doesn't it feel a little better like somehow life's going okay? And, you know, I've told people this, but if you, if I was to describe what is life like, if somebody asked me, well, how, what's your analogy for life? I would tell you for most of my life that life is like a firefight. And so I've worked in oil refining my whole life. I've worked in oil refineries. I've seen a lot of kind of ugly things happen. I've seen huge fires. So I have a very vivid imagery from actual experience of fires being out of control and trying to fight the fire. And that's my, that would be my analogy for life. Life is like a firefight. And you just don't know what's going to happen. You wonder and you worry, is it going to be okay? And I would even put like a little friends there that says, and someone may die. Now, I think I've come to a better place than that. Uh, I've become much more confident in God's unfailing love for me and for all that I love. And I think I'm much more able to trust him with my life and with the lives of those I love. And that's just a process of getting in touch with his goodness, right, and getting in touch with his love. But I've had to work through my own resistance. I've had to work through a lot of barriers in my life. And I would say that God has poured out a lot of mercy. So there's that kind of combination, right, of you work on things, but then God is merciful. Thinking about the dream, right, isn't it good that God gives dreams that just help you to see very clearly not only, you know, what you're doing and what you're like, but how absurd it is to think that you could somehow control the Spirit of God. So last week I was suggesting some potential barriers to us surrendering to the presence and the Lordship of Holy Spirit. And, you know, I've been preparing for this message for pretty much since the beginning of the month. And as I've prepared and kind of day by day as I've done my morning devotions, I've heard, it feels like I've heard the Lord say certain things that I was to teach on. And uh, so I think maybe there's something that we need to think about in that. And so last week I was talking about what are the barriers or some of the potential barriers to us really allowing the Spirit to be in us and at work in us and to have his way with us. And so we've got lack of faith. I just can't believe that God would do such a thing. Um, There's lack of understanding. Where, you know, the Spirit's kind of mysterious and there's not a lot of people explaining how the Spirit works. And, you know, in a lot of churches, you don't really hear about much about Holy Spirit. And that would be my experience for most of my life is there's not a lot of teaching on Holy Spirit. There's a lot of teaching on Father, a lot of teaching on Son, a lot of teaching on the Bible, but not a lot of teaching on the Spirit. Another potential barrier is just our resistance to giving up control. And, I, you know, the thought of giving up control of your life does sound kind of, on the surface, stupid, silly. Like, why would you do that? But then if you think it through, right, if you really understand it's God who made me and who knows me, giving up control of my life to the one who knows me through and through and who's good and who the only good, true God, only true good in life is God. It's not as crazy of an idea, but there is a battle, right? There's a battle within the soul to giving over control. And then I said left-brain dominance of the culture. And what I mean by that, well, you know, there's left-brain, right-brain. is just this idea of 
You know, left brain is rational and logical and measurable and scientific, and you can put a ruler to it. And um, that's kind of what our culture's like, right? Our culture is if it doesn't, if you can't measure it, if you can't see it with a scientific instrument, then probably, you know, it doesn't exist. And it's it's just an inherent way in which we see life and a way we think about life. Another potential barrier is just we have low expectations, right? We come in. We go to church on Sunday, but we don't expect a lot. Why would we? And then another potential barrier is just, well, we haven't seen much. We haven't seen, where are the examples? Show me the examples of the spirit-filled life. Because maybe if I had an example, then I could sort of imitate that, hang around, and maybe some of it would rub off on me. So just as I'm sharing these things, if if something there kind of goes click, you know, just make a note of that. And we'll have a chance to maybe deal with that later this morning. So last week, I was sharing about our narrative. You can flip to the next slide. As sort of a framework to think about what I'm teaching on this uh, this last Sunday and this Sunday. And so last Sunday, we were looking at the presence and working of the Spirit in um, in the life of Jesus, right, as a parallel to the Spirit working in us. And so, you know, we talked about Jesus' conception, forming in Mary's stomach in her body and then being born and being a baby and being a toddler and being a little boy. And then at some point he's a teen and then he's a young man. And at some point he appears on the scene and he's baptized. And then after his baptism, he's doing and he's speaking and he's doing, he says what he sees the father doing and he's speaking what he says he hears the father speaking. So his life of teaching and preaching with power and healing the sick and delivering people from the grips of evil, it's an example for us. Right? It, it's not just a thing that we look at and say, hmm, isn't that nice that someone did that? But it's an example for us because we're supposed to become like Jesus. And that's not just in our narrative. It's actually in the scriptures. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But when we say we're seeking to become like Jesus in all things, what does that mean? It's nice sounding. It's really good for a church to have that on the mission statement there, right? What does it mean? Well, I think it means that we're supposed to do the things that Jesus did. And the scriptures say that we're going to even do greater things than that. And that's a promise, right? It's, it's, it's Jesus telling his followers, this is what you will do. You will do the works that I did and even greater works. So if it's true, if that is true, and I think we have to say if, right? Because of how we live. If it's true, how would it be possible? How could it possibly be possible that we, firefighting, broom-wielding people, right, could become like Jesus? The answer is through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, there isn't going to be a lot of chance of becoming like him. So one more thing is in the center of our narrative, we have this narrative. You know, we're a part of the great family of God seeking to become like Jesus in all things through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And then there's this, this thing in the middle that I've underlined. And I say that is the key 
that as we experience God's love, as we experience his love, then we're able to love him, then we're able to love one another, then we're able to love this world that he loves. Um, at the beginning of the year, you know, I, I had an opportunity to preach kind of right in the new year about connecting to God's love and how important it is for us to experience God's love. And we nailed these little cards on the cross. Maybe some of you that were here remember, right? It was little, little cards that had little like signal bars, like phone bars, you know, of strength. And there are different things maybe that help with building strength. And so the idea was, was there was that we've got to work on our connection to God. We have to work on putting ourselves in a place where we're able to experience his love. And there are some things that we can do there. And so then I've got a little graphic down here, um, inward, outward, right? So last week we were talking about inward and then outward. And so what I'm trying to show is that it is as God's love comes into us, as we experience his love, then flowing out of us, we're able to love him. We're able to love one another. We're able to love this world that he loves. You know, it's really difficult to share what you do not have. Right? So if we're going to share the love of God, then the love of God has to be in us. And we could, we could say a lot more about it, but I'm going, to, I'm going to stop there. We're going to talk more this morning about resistance because that seems to be what the Lord wants to deal with as we consider Pentecost coming here next Sunday. So before we do that, let me just pray for us. Um, God, I pray that all of us would be really open to you this morning. And I ask that in your mercy, um, where there is resistance and where there are barriers, that you would make those clear to us. And that you would uh, give us the grace to face those things and to deal with them. And I ask God that you would be a God who now in our lives removes all resistance and removes every barrier to your spirit filling us and empowering us to be everything that you want us to be. And even now, God, I ask that you would just give grace to my words And you would give grace to our ears to hear the things that you want to speak this morning. And I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So, in uh, in 1 John, um, John is the apostle whom Jesus loved, right? So he writes a lot about love. And in in, uh, 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And then a little further down it says, This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete in us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Or in this world, we live like Jesus. Boy, there's a lot there. 
you know, we can we can just kind of work it out a little bit here. So so where does love come from? It comes from God, right? Why? Because God is love. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves. And, you know, love is infinite. It's unlimited. Why? Because God is infinite. And he's unlimited. And he's love, right? There's a certain logic to all of this, and then that get your right brain going there and just kind of let that sit with you. And I I, want to say, to me, it's really good news that the love that we have to share with God and with one another and with this world that he loves, it's his love, and it's not ours. You know, we're not left with trying to squeeze a little bit of love out of a stony heart, right, or out of a wounded heart, out of a broken heart. But God promises to give us love, to share. I find that to be tremendously good news. So how do we know this? How is it that we know this? Hmm? Spirit. Because he's given us his spirit. Not because we studied it in the Bible and we took a class on it, we wrote it down. It's because of the spirit of God that we know it. That we know it in us. And how do we receive the Spirit? By acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God. Then God lives in us and we live in God. And it all assumes that we're born of God, right? Everyone who loves has been born of God. And as we talked about last week, you know, it seems possible to acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God and to have the seed, right, to have the Spirit in us, but not to grow to maturity, You all agree with that? Which is why I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is needed. You know, and again, I just I marvel at Jesus conceived by Holy Spirit growing up, but not until his baptism did he begin his ministry. Something happened in the baptism. And as I said last week, I think it was him releasing control of his life to just what the Spirit directed him to do. No longer under the authority of his mother and father, only under the authority of the Spirit, doing only what he saw the Father doing, speaking only what he heard the Father speaking. So it was a, it was a surrendering that happened at his baptism. And how is God's love made complete in us? How does it become perfected in us? In this world... We live like Jesus. So there's this idea that, this expectation that we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to become like him. You know, I would say it's a calling. It's a destiny that we become like Jesus. The church, the body of Christ, you know, we're the physical presence of Jesus in the earth. And every one of us, every one of us is a part of his body. We all play a part in it. So to what extent we can become like him, I'd say, well, that's a mystery. But I think if you, if you look through history, there's some pretty good examples. But we're not going to get very far in that, becoming like Jesus without Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit's presence and power in us, his guidance and help. We need his gifts. We need his illumination. 
So probably if I had to say what is my most favorite, there's, you know, John 3.16 is pretty favorite, but Romans 5.5, it's Paul writing about the Spirit. He's talking about hope not putting us to shame, this hope in, in God, but because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So the way God's love comes into us, the way we receive his love so we have love to give back to him and love to give to one another and love to give to the world is through the Spirit. So you can think of Pentecost not only as the outpouring of God's Spirit on the people of God, but it's the outpouring of God's love into the hearts of his people. And think about what the church looked like at Pentecost. Think about the love that they had for people and for one another. Look at the impact that they had in Jerusalem. Look at the impact they had in Samaria, in Asia, all over the known world. So as I was preparing here in these last few weeks, you know, every so often I would hear something that seemed like, okay, maybe I need to share it. It seems like it's uh, the Lord speaking in a way that, that maybe it would be helpful to hear what, what he said. And so one thing I heard along the way was, you demonstrate your love for me and your love for others. And I was thinking about that. Well, how did God demonstrate his love for us? gave his son, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he demonstrated, right, he demonstrated his love in giving his son. And so what I think he's saying here is that we demonstrate our love for God, right? We can show our love for God in the love that we have for others. And then the manifestation of love opens up the channels of reception. And so as love is manifested, as love is expressed, Channels of God's love and channels of of connection with God are opened up. And so just as we interact with one another and as we interact with people at large, as love is manifested through us, then there's connection and channels of communication and channels of receptivity that are opened up with people. Okay, next slide here. So there's a little couple of verses in Hebrews that I remembered when I was a very new follower of Jesus. It says, you know, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so, and ex- but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day drawing near. I have no idea what version that was, probably like some kind of non-modern one. But it's um, consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. And don't fail to meet together, as some people kind of get a bad habit going, but all the more, all the more meet and provoke and encourage and exhort because it's getting closer to the day. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, you know, we've got Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Probably most people know that, right? For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves as gifts of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then 10 says, for we are his workmanship. We're his handiwork, we're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I kind of see these two scriptures as speaking to there are these things, these good deeds, these good works that God has, has for us, every one of us, every one of us has 
I don't know how many. I don't know. It's up to it's kind of between you and God, but he's prepared stuff like from your beginning. From when he had the idea that he would create you, he's prepared stuff for you to do. And he wants to express himself through you. And you're a unique expression of his love. If you think about it that way. Right. The way that you would express his love is unique. No one else can express it like you. No one else has the experiences. No one else has the thoughts. No one else has that kind of a relationship with God. So I'm hoping that Holy Spirit's provoking you this morning. Be provoked. Because I'm trying to provoke you. And I'll say that, you know, it's not about running out and doing some good deeds. Because Kevin said we should get busy doing some good deeds. And there's probably some, and I'm probably behind, right? I'm like, I got some, and got a long list of good deeds I'm supposed to do, and i got to get out my list here. You know, all of this is moved and motivated by love. In fact, to me, if, if love is not your motivation, probably just like, don't worry about it. Just back away. Go kind of turn to God and say, God, what's going on here that I have no motivation for love? I have no unction of love to do something. Because it's a promise that he'll fill us with his love. And the issue is probably just our receptivity, kind of where we are, our barriers, our resistance. So what I would say, and we talked a little bit about this uh, steps to the baptism last week, but surrender and submission are the doorways to the spirit-filled life of heaven on earth. It's another way of saying living like Jesus in the world, right? It's the life of heaven lived on earth. And surrender and submission to the Spirit of God are the doorways by which that comes to us, by which we pass through into that kind of a life. And these good works, these good deeds that we would do, you know, they come through discernment. They don't come as a us sitting down thinking, how could I be kind to people today, right? I mean, you could, and you could, if you're a really good listener, maybe God says, do it this way. But I'm thinking that we just connect to God, we walk with him, and we recognize that he's present and he's working. And then we somehow discern through the Spirit what the good work is, right? What is the thing I'm supposed to do? How is it, Lord, that you would express love through me? How would you fill me with love so that I have something to express, right? Okay. So just continuing on this idea of barriers, you know, kind of now barriers to that outward working of the Spirit. As I listened, as I considered, you know, Lord, what is it that that you want to speak to us about? These things came to my mind. So there's, first of all, there's this fear of man. Fear of what others are going to think. I tell you, preaching, I had to struggle with what are people going to think? You know, do I have anything worth saying? How in the world did I get in? Why did I say yes to rant? I should have said no. No, no, no. I've no you know. So there's that thing that operates in us, and so it keeps us from stepping forward. Or there's a lack of confidence in the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And so we, you know, we fall back to what we can do, you know, what our gift set is. Um, disconnection from love. So the love becomes a work rather than an empowerment. And again, if we're not connected to God's love for us, if we're not experiencing his love, if we're not caught up in the love of God, 
I don't think he wants us to just try to love everybody out of whatever. Right? He wants us to know his love. And so if you're there where I just I'm disconnected, then that's the place to, to be working is getting connected to his love, experiencing his love. Because when love is expressed as God leads, it is an empowerment. Right? It is a Holy Spirit empowerment. It has a miraculous nature to it. Because it's God expressing himself through you, not you. That's kind of miraculous if you think about that. Not grasping God's plan to save the lost and redeem the earth. What do I mean by that? I don't know. That's what I heard. I think what it means is, you know, we have a destiny here. We are the body. We are the physical presence of Jesus on the earth. There isn't another plan. There's not a plan B where somehow God's going to draw people to himself separate from his people. That's how he's doing it. He's taken us. In all of our limitations, in all of our resistance, in all of our brokenness, in all of our goofy thinking. And he says, I will empower you to represent me, to be my ambassadors. We represent love in the earth. We represent Jesus in the earth. Does he know what he's doing? There's a good question. Uh, Another barrier is just busyness, man-made busyness. You know, sometimes... We're busy, but sometimes we're just busy because, you know, I got to watch my program. I got to get my workout in. I got to do this. I got to do that, right? We have these things that we got to do. Things that we need to do in order to feel good. Those can be barriers. And then individualism and independence, you know, that's just kind of our culture in America, right? We are independent. We're individuals and we're unique. And that really matters to us. And then lastly, perception that our own needs have not been sufficiently met. Right, so how in the world am I supposed to help somebody else? I, you know, how am I supposed to give? I, don't, I need to be given too. Right, so there's that feeling of I, you know, I'm somehow impoverished. How could I possibly give? So as you think about these things, as you just consider what I'm sharing, again, ask Holy Spirit, Lord, is there anything in me that's a barrier, in, in me that's a resistance to you working and to you having your way in me? And then how do, we, how do we deal with all these barriers? We had some last week that I shared at the beginning here. We've got some more this week. You know, how do we, well, I'm going to say countermeasures. That's how you deal with barriers and resistance is countermeasures. So what are the countermeasures? What can we do? So as again, as I listen, click to the next one there, Danny. As I, as I listen, you know, what are the countermeasures? Well, the spiritual disciplines in all their variety. So spiritual disciplines are just practices that people in who are followers of Jesus, have done since kind of the church was founded. It's things like Lexio Divina. It's just this practice of reading scripture and allowing God to speak. Um, daily examine. It's, it's, a, it's sort of a practice of just looking back at the day and seeing where was God in the day? You know, was I even aware that there was a day that God was present with me? So there's all of those things. And there's a lot of people in our little part of God's great family that are trained in this and that are experienced in this. And so... That's an opportunity to apply a countermeasure. Um, Like we talked about last week, the steps to the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which I think the key step in all of that is is a willingness to surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to be the Spirit of God, to be the Lord. Um, What I'm calling seeing is believing. So this idea of 
prayer and imagination and, and experiencing in our, I guess that must be the right side of the brain, you know, the actual presence of Jesus with us in things, in wounding, in memories, in experiences that are happening now. And somehow in that, seeing the presence of Jesus as we pray, it encourages our faith, it builds our faith. It allows us to, to have more than just a head knowledge, but actually to see Jesus there. And so we've got a manual prayer, resting prayer, sozo. We've got all these different ways that we've learned as a, as a part of his body to build our faith by seeing. Corporate prayer, I list that because there's not a lot of it. And the scripture says, you know, whenever two of you agree on something, you have it. And I think that's a question is like, what do we agree on? Like, what do we really desire that's in God's will? Uh, mission trips. There's a group on a mission trip right now. You know, mission trips are nice because something usually goes wrong and you're out of your comfort zone. And when you're out of your comfort zone, God is able to kind of speak to you in ways that he, you're not really usually open to having him speak. And so if you've not been on a mission trip or it's been a long, long time, it's a great little, you know, shake-up. It's a good countermeasure. And it also kind of allows you to see there's another part of the world, another part of life that's different from your own that has its own struggles and issues and needs. And then connecting with God and discerning the way of love to discover the sacred moments in every day. This is, that's a wordy thing, but what do I mean by that? I'm saying it's a daily practice. It's a moment-by-moment practice. This is something I'm working on in my life these days is just to remember wherever I am, I'm at work, I'm in the morning meeting, God is present. He's present. He's working. His love is at work in that place. Can I connect with him? Can I be aware of that? Can I discern what he's doing in that moment? Is there something that he would have me say? Is there something that he would have me do? Is there something that he would have me pray? in that moment. Because when I have that experience of connecting to him, that would have been a, just another, you know, grinding workday moment becomes a sacred moment. And what I'll tell you is I'm learning there are sacred moments in every day, many of them. And a lot of them slip by me because I'm just me, being me the way I always am, doing stuff, solving problems, because that's what I do. I solve problems. Got a problem? Let me solve it. Right, But when I take the time to just, oh, God's present. Actually, God's in control. God's a whole different thing. And it's a practice. It's a practice of mindfulness. Um, gathering together, like we're doing this morning, to provoke. So let's get provoking. Unto what? Right, Not unto discord, but unto love and good works. And then finally, ministry time. You know, every Sunday, for the most part, we offer people to pray with you. And so a question would be like, why wouldn't you do that? Well, because I did it last Sunday and I'll, I just, you know, it's just do it. Why not? Why not gather with his people and share what's going on? Even if it's like nothing's going on. That's the thing you can pray about, right? I feel nothing. I got nothing. That can be prayed for. So countermeasures are the things that we can do to address any resistance that we feel to the Holy Spirit. And they involve, on our part, right, some surrender, some submission, so that doorways are opened to that spirit-filled life. All right, so just click to the last slide there, Danny. 
So as I was listening here in these last weeks preparing, you know, this, this phrase came to me. You know, there are many countermeasures that involve conscious choice. And there is the move of the Spirit as the wind blows. Repentance unto countermeasures and the wind and waves of my spirit unto repentance. Changing one's mind and direction. So we can deploy countermeasures, right? These are things that we can choose to do. Today you can choose to do something different if you want to do that. And the Holy Spirit moves as he wills. Kind of no matter how well you handle a broom, right? He's not going to be controlled, but he can be grieved, right? He can be quenched. We can resist the Holy Spirit. Those are all things that are possible. So let's just take a minute here now just to sit quietly. And I would like you to ask the Spirit to reveal to you anything that you think he wants to address or to make clear this morning. Just take a minute to sit silently. Kind of listen to the, uh, the inner voice there. So if you become aware of any resistance to the Holy Spirit's work in you or any of the barriers that I've shared this morning or any other barrier for that matter that comes to mind, before you leave today, would you share that with somebody? Just don't leave without sharing that. Maybe ask them to pray for you. And as always, we'll have folks here in the front. And I don't know if one of you that normally likes to pray wants to gather in the back. So we got maybe a little bit of a mix of location. But if you want to approach one of those folks uh, for prayer about anything that has come up this morning or just anything, an issue that you have in your life, a problem that you're facing, something that you want to share with someone else, um, we're going to do that. And so I'm going to go ahead and conclude our time. So I I bless you. I bless you um, with the goodness and the grace and the mercy of the Holy Spirit to draw you to himself and to allow you to give more and more of your life over to him so that he can be the Lord of your life and lead you into the, all the good purposes that he has for you.